It, um, oddly enough, can be a, an odd Sunday, the Sunday after Christmas, where some folks just figure it's a good day to take off. And I just think that's weird. <laughs> and so thanks for being here. Um, I didn't take off this morning either. I'm ready to preach God's Word. Title this morning is Now to Him. And it is a vision for 2021. Um, before we dive in, beginning next week, um, we'll start a, a series on Dignity Restored. And that will include the first three weeks will be from um, Philemon. So please be reading the book of Philemon. Uh, take, you, take you less than five minutes. So read it, read it again, read it again, and then read it again. And then come Sunday, and then we'll take the next three Sundays to preach through um, that book, and then we will preach uh, Right to Life, and then we will preach on racism, and we will conclude the series with the image of God. We were created in the image of God. So dignity restored. If you're curious what's after that, then we'll do a mission series like we always do. And then what's after that, we are going to be in First and Second Thessalonians this year. So that's, uh, that's what the year looks like. And uh, yeah. I get to preach Ephesians chapter three this morning. This may sound like a sermon on prayer. I wanna give you a little heads up. It's not. Though we will talk a lot about prayer. Ephesians three might seem like a text about prayer. I think before it's a text about prayer, it's a text about God. Ephesians 3 is more about God than it is about prayer. Praying that jumps over who we pray to is nothing more, hear me. Prayer that jumps over who we pray to is nothing more than Buddhist meditation. Nothing more than mindless chanting or wishful thinking. The goal of prayer is not to empty your mind of everything. The goal of prayer is to fill your mind with the glories of who God is. We can make prayer to be something that, well, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that we want it to sound good or to be just theologically correct or we want to perhaps think of ourselves or we want to project an image that maybe looks spiritual when it comes to prayer. And prayer is empty and meaningless if we don't hold to a conviction about the one to whom we pray. It's okay, Esme. It's okay. Listen, prayer doesn't move mountains. The God to whom we pray to moves mountains. Prayer does not save people. The God to whom we pray saves people. Prayer does not heal people. The God to whom we pray heals people. So don't misunderstand this sermon. It's not a sermon that's seeking to say, pray more in 2021. It's a sermon that says, get to know God better in 2021 and allow that to drive prayer. Please don't misunderstand me. I want to lead us to pray more as a church in 2021. But I want that to be rooted and grounded in truths about who God is. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He is the faithful one. He is the sovereign one. He is Lord and Savior. He is the one that we can go to in prayer. And so let's pray. God, would you help us this morning? Lord, we are weak people. And so from the outset, we want to recognize, we want to confess our weakness and our great need for you. Lord, outside of your spirit at work in our hearts this morning, 
my words will just be words blowing in the wind. But God, by your spirit, would you land these words on our hearts? And would the truths of who you are so affect our souls that yes, we would become a more praying people in 2021. God help us, we pray, amen. Well, we preached on Ephesians a number of years ago. I tried to look it up. I don't know how long ago it was. But if you were here when we preached through Ephesians, would you do me a favor and raise your hand? I just want to see how many of you were here when we preached through Ephesians. All right. The Michonnes and the Bowmans. I mean, I'm just from a family standpoint. All right. So, wow. In the first service, it was about half. So it was, it was quite a while ago. Well, when we preached through Ephesians, we came to chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. We spent five Sundays preaching through um, those verses. This morning, we will do it in one Sunday. <clears throat> you need to know a little bit of background. Paul has already prayed in chapter 1. And when he prays in chapter 1, he's praying for the people of God, to have understanding. In chapter three, he's praying for the people of God to have strength. Today, we'll focus mostly on verses 20 and 21. Excuse me. (coughs) But um, to set that up just a little bit, let's back up to verse 14. He begins with, for this reason. And because we're not taking five weeks to unpack this, you're going to have to do the hard work. You're going to have to go home. What's the reason? You, you, you read the text. You can figure that out for yourself. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees. Now, I just want to encourage us. Physically, I think that's what Paul's saying. I'm bowing my knees physically before the Father. And I want to encourage us. There is something about that that gets, that just kind of captures our attention, right? Like it's, it's wonderful to pray as we walk. It's wonderful to pray as we drive. It's wonderful to pray as we go about our day. But it's also wonderful to bow our knees and to focus ourselves, to focus our, our attention on what we're doing. Now that said, you may not be able to bow your knees anymore. Bow your heart, right? Like, I think it's also a picture here. Thank you. That's on a rare Sunday where I actually would say, I need that. (laughs) That there's a heart posture going on here not just a physical posture, but we can humble ourselves before the Lord. And so for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And I want us to just pause right here that we would immediately begin to see prayer is not about us. That prayer is about God. It's not about us saying all the right things. It's not about us getting all the theology right. It's not what we so often make it to be about. We tend to forget the most obvious thing about prayer is it's not about us. The most obvious thing about prayer is it's about God. I bow my knees before the Father. And when he says that, as I said, I think he physically was bowing, but we can bow our hearts. The Father is the one whom Jesus was directing as he was on that mountain, in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 7. He's teaching and he says these, these words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 
You see, it's easy for us to turn prayer into something that it isn't. It isn't about us. It's not about the thing that we're doing or the words that we're saying. At its core, prayer is about God. Prayer centers itself around God. And sadly, we turn it into something that centers itself on us. Prayer is not just a list to unpack. Prayer is worship. Prayer is about God. We worship God when God moves the mountains. He hears our, our requests, our prayers and answers. But hear me. We worship God when God does not move the mountain. He has heard our requests and we worship him when he does not answer our prayers the way we want. Worship is what we do in the praying because God is God and we are not. God is not a genie in the bottle to be used. He is the God to be worshiped. We worship not because we got the answer that we are wanting. We worship because it's about God and not us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. The Father, meaning relationship. Jesus said, but it would have been appropriate for him to say, for this reason, I bow my knees before the creator, before the almighty, before the infinite one, before the king. All those would have been appropriate. But I love how he points to the relationship. I bow my knees before the father. So in Galatians chapter four, he says, Paul to the Galatians, but when the fullness of time had come, What's that? Well, that's what we just celebrated. That's Christmas. That's, that's God. Well, I'll just read it. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. You cry, Abba, Father. Why is that? What, what is Paul getting done there? He's saying that Christ came, took on human flesh, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, right? He did all that he did to provide a relationship because relationship had been destroyed due to sin. We had been separated from God. Things are not good in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. Things were not good throughout scripture, throughout history. Things are not good until individuals like you come to a place where we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And then, Father, we cry. So Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, which is just loaded with gospel. Because of outside of Jesus, there's no crying Abba Father. There is no Father moment. Only because of what Christ has provided in that relationship. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory. That's amazing. It really deserves to be preached. But we can't this morning. But just consider according to the riches of his glory. He may grant you to be strengthened. According to the riches of his glory. He may grant you to be strengthened. With power, through his spirit, in your being inner being. And then just hear all the that's and so that's that follow. That you may be strengthened so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, 
being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth that he may grant you to be strengthened and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And this really launches us into the core of the sermon this morning. Verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able. This is who we pray to. Now to him who is able. Martin Lloyd-Jones says of this verse, he says, what he had been requesting for these Christians was such a glorious possibility that he involuntarily burst forth into this great hymn of praise, worship, and adoration. His desire is that all the glory be ascribed unto him who is the author and the giver of salvation and who alone deserves the glory and the honor and the praise. What does it mean to us this morning? What does it mean to you that God is able? Now to him who is able. What does that mean to you? How completely, utterly, entirely convinced are you entirely convinced that God is able? I believe that if we were to be entirely convinced, right? Like, you know the church answer. You know the Sunday school answer. I'm entirely convinced. How convinced are you? Entirely convinced. (laughs) Thank you, Sunday school. I believe that if we were to be entirely convinced of this one attribute of God, it would absolutely revolutionize prayer at Trinity. God help us to be entirely convinced of this one attribute. I believe it would revolutionize prayer in our lives individually, and I believe it would revolutionize prayer in our lives corporately. What difference does this one truth make when we consider prayer in 2021? For those of you who are new to Trinity, each year we do a prayer event in February, 24 hours of prayer. Well, we'll have posters set up and you can sign up for an hour or two or three And people will be at the building praying for 24 hours. Someone will be here. A group of people will be here. How do I say, still struggling with this. This is the second time I've preached it. Struggled with it in the first service. Going to struggle with it. Struggle through it in the second service. Because I'm not here to shame anybody. I'm not here to guilt anyone into praying. But we do need God's word, the mirror of God's word to be in front of us. And when it is, it does make us uncomfortable. Do you believe that now to him who is able, do you believe he's able? Because If we believe he's able, well, how do I say? There are some who are in the building this morning who have never been to a 24 hours of prayer. Not because you're new to the church. (laughs) You've been here for years. There are some in the church who have never been to a corporate prayer meeting, a magnify night. 24 hours of prayer, it's not a kind of a, cool, trendy thing to do. And I mean, you know, it's a round number. I guess we could do 24 and a half hours of prayer, but the point isn't to do some cool, trendy thing. It's, it's to recognize who it is we pray to 
Now to him who is able. I believe that one truth about God could revolutionize prayer at Trinity. Confession, I don't pray enough. I'm weak. Further confession, the reason I don't, I don't believe he is able. It's what it boils down to. The issue is not with God. He is able. The issue is is with us. We don't believe it. If we believed it, prayer would look radically different in the church. It just would. Twenty twenty. The reality is some some. Again, not to shame, not to guilt. It's not the point. We're, can, can we just say we're all weak at prayer? Okay, so, all right, we're all shamed and guilted now. All right, that's not the point. The point, right, is for us to grow not in attending a meeting or saying words in a meeting. It's to grow in the glory of who God is that God would expand. Here's the vision for 2021. Pray more. No, the vision for 2021, God, expand our hearts of the glory of who you are. Prayer will take care of itself once we're convinced. Now to him who is able. Because we're not entirely convinced, that's why we are weak in prayer. That's why we don't come to different prayer things that take place in the church. Some have never been to a corporate prayer meeting at Trinity. Not once. Why not? I think it's because you don't believe he's able. That's what I'm saying. Now, of course, you're pushing back in your mind and you're thinking of all the other reasons I believe he's able. Can we? Let's just, let's just go. Because this guy helps me. Mark chapter nine. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Do you believe he's able? I believe. Help my unbelief. So we can unpack the reasons why we were having some fun with it in the first service, right? Like, you know, I was just saying to them that I no longer ask people, like, we're not going to take a survey. When's the best time to pray? You get, you get answers like, you know, Tuesday at 6 a.m. Then, and then, you know, me and Alex are down here at Tuesday at 6 a.m. by ourselves, right? Like, like, where is that guy who said Tuesday at 6 a.m.? They're not here. What happened? I've come to a place where I just realize, you know, it's not an issue of the time of day. And the 24 hours of prayer has exposed that because we offer every time slot in an hour, in a day, I'm sorry. It's just not a convenient time for me. Well, we only get 24 of, oh, 24 hours of those. 
Find one that's convenient, right? It's the kids. God bless us. Blame it on the kids, right? Like it's the kids. Bring the kids. Bring the distractions. Bring all of that. Or you might say, you don't know my kids. And I will say back to you, you didn't know mine when they were young. Some of you did. Those of you who were here for the Ephesians preaching <laughs> that many years ago. Um, yeah. Nothing wrong with taking turns. Uh, nothing wrong with just saying, you know what? We're going to come to the prayer meeting once a month. Or we're going to be in the prayer meeting for 15 minutes. Or we're going to come for as many minutes as the kids give us. Um, but we're going to come. Not because of prayer. Now to him who is able. Are we utterly convinced that he's able? It's too early. It's too late. You will never find a convenient time until you are entirely convinced he is able. Once we are entirely convinced that he is able, it will override all of our many excuses. Can I encourage you in this uncomfortable moment, in the building, on the screen, don't let yourself wiggle out of this. Because we can wiggle out of prayer with empty excuses. Let's be honest. We don't believe. God help my unbelief. Or perhaps you're saying, I prayed and I didn't receive the answer I wanted. Or I'm still waiting. I love that we're preaching this sermon right out of Advent. We just celebrated Christmas. We've been adventing since November 29th. Nothing calls us to prayer like Christmas, and yet nothing drowns out prayer like Christmas. It drowns out prayer because we are the rat on the hamster wheel running hard and going nowhere. It calls us and it drives us to prayer because the angel had a few words with Mary. And at one point, the angel says to her, nothing is impossible with God. What was the angel referring to? Oh, he was referring to that virgin birth thing. Nothing is impossible with God, meaning God will come and be born of a virgin and take on human flesh and all the things that we've been preaching throughout Advent. The baby in the manger is God. Nothing's impossible with God. That would be impossible. Virgin birth, that's impossible. God taking on human flesh, that's impossible. Angel to Mary, nothing's impossible with God. Now, humanly speaking, I can think of a lot of impossible things in 2021. So can you. I can think of the impossibility of revival in America. I can think of the impossibility of us gathering and on a weekly basis, lost people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. The impossibility of Trinity filling its prayer room, the gathering room. Did you know? Yeah, you know. We meet 20 minutes before the service every Sunday for prayer. You're invited. It's a corporate prayer meeting. But until we're convinced, now to him who is able. Once we become entirely convinced, all the excuses will just fall to the wayside because we're coming to pray to God who is able. A prayer meeting that's entirely filling up the gathering room where we're needing to move into a larger space seems impossible healing of disease, God calling people to full-time mission, 
God calling people to pastoral ministry, God calling people to government roles, godly people with a conviction. God's called me into politics for the glory of God. God calls people to be lawyers, to be policemen, to be you fill in the blank every position where there's a conviction. God has called me to this role in our society to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to this. I can think of a lot of things that are impossible for man in 2021 and so can you, but our God is the God of the impossible. Now to him who is able. God can get it done. So the point that Paul is making, so, so pray. If entirely convinced that he's able, that will drive us to prayer. He is infinitely able. So pray. There's nothing he looks at and says, whoa, Trinity, ease up. You're asking too much now. We've exceeded, we're going too far now. We chuckle because it's silly, but that's the reality of our hearts. Let's be honest. I believe, help my unbelief. Now to him who is able to do far more. How able is God? To what extent is God able? Here, Paul piles up the words as if the words are limited. And they are. Words are limited. Words, words, words have a limit. And so when words that are limited begin to describe a God who is infinite, right? There's a challenge there. And so Paul, I'm just going to say, under the inspiration of the Spirit, he does the best he can do but he starts to pile on the words. And so depending on your translation, which one you are carrying, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, or yours might say exceedingly more abundantly or infinitely more abundantly. They're all saying the same thing. And as Paul just piling those words, words on top of words, trying to express the infinite ability of our God. Far more further drives home his ability. The power of God is where Paul is directing us. But it also speaks of the willingness of God. He is willing and he is powerful. Let's make a call to end all the perfunctory prayers like if we're gonna if we're gonna make the effort to pray, then let's pray. Token praying, mindless praying. We all do it. Let's just stop it. If we're gonna say the words, then let's say the words. Let's engage. Let's let's say them in a way that we're engaging with God, who is able to do far more abundantly. Nothing more perfunctory. In, in church culture then, in the name of Jesus, amen. Do we know what those words mean? Do we understand what's taken place for us to pray the words in the name of Jesus, amen? What does it mean to us that God is able to do more in the ESV, it says more abundantly, uh, let's see, far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Some of yours would say, ask or imagine. What does it mean that God's able to do more than you imagine? What does it mean that he's able to do more than what you are praying? More than what you think? It means this, it means God's not only powerful, it means he's all-knowing. If he's able to do more than you're thinking, he knows all. It also means he knows what's good. He's good. He's all-knowing. If he wasn't, he wouldn't know more 
or he wouldn't, we wouldn't ask him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. God is able, or put it this way, there is no cancer. God is unable to heal. There is no virus. God is unable to end. There is no government that God is unable to sovereignly rule. There is no prodigal. Thank you, Peter. It's good to have you back. I love you. There is no prodigal that God is unable to reach. There is no marriage that God is unable to rescue. God, there's nothing that God, that, that meets with God and he is suddenly unable What can God do in 2021? See, what we're really preaching this morning is is, let's take the ceiling off, right? Like we, we put a cap. How, how odd it is of us to put a cap on God. He's able to do A, B, and C, but when we're talking about X, Y, and Z, he just doesn't know the heart of X, the depths of sin of why. And we won't even talk about Z. Right? Like, like th- there's these, these things that we say, all right, here are A, B, and C. God could save them, but X, Y, and Z beyond his reach. How silly and how foolish it is that we would put a cap, a ceiling on God. Ask yourself, what limits have I put on God? Because what Paul is saying here is whatever you think he can do, he can do more than that. And I'm asking you, do you believe that? I'm not asking you, do you believe in prayer? I'm asking you if you believe in the God to whom you pray. If we believed in the God to whom we pray, I'm saying to us, we would pray more and worry less. We would talk to God more and talk to others less. We would talk to more, talk to God more and others less about about what isn't. We would go to God quickly rather than sulking around or growing anxious, or gossiping, or you fill in the blank. We have the ability to talk to everyone who is entirely unable and not talk to God who is entirely able. Isn't that, it? wow, we are just weird creatures in our sinfulness. So I say, God, move Trinity to its knees in prayer in a day of complaining about everything. I want to say, you know, um, somehow I feel like in 2021 or 2020, we are unique complaining people. But the reality is, is, no, we've been a complaining people throughout history. We just found some new things to complain about this year, right? Like, Like, God, help us a people who have the ability to complain about everything and pray about little things. I have the ability to be angry with an enemy rather than pray for an enemy. Why is that? Because I don't believe God is able I can be angry with the politics rather than praying for 
the politics. I can be anxious about our future rather than praying about our future. I can be concerned about our country's direction and never pray about our country's direction. Are you with me? We can say, let's pray. We can talk about praying. Man, I have the gift of good intention, right? I can have the intention of praying. I can preach on prayer. We can quote verses about prayer, but a lack of prayer reveals the truth in our hearts. We don't believe God and we don't believe he's able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. He then says this amazing phrase, according to the power at work within us. In my Bible, that word us is circled because it's shocking, right? God doesn't do an end around us. It's amazing. None of us would be throwing up our hands if he did. We'd be going, actually, that makes sense. What's amazing about this is it's according to the power at work within us. Now you can go back to chapter one where Paul is rooting that power in us in the resurrection power. So that's the kind of power we're talking about. What kind of power is at work in you? Resurrection power. The spirit himself is at work in us. So John Stott says it like this. It is the power of the resurrection, the power which raised Christ from the dead, enthroned him in the heavenlies, and then raised us and enthroned us there with him. This is the power which is at work within the Christian and within the church. People ask, if God is sovereign, why pray? I respond, because God is sovereign. Pray. And in his sovereignty, he doesn't do an end around his people. He's glorified in working when the power is at work within weak people, like we've all already admitted this morning. His power is at work through his people, not around his people. Not to say, what an amazing people. How amazing we are. Look at that amazing prayer. Wow, that sure was eloquent. Look at how amazing he prays. Look at how impressive she prays. I want him to pray for me. I want her to pray for me. She prays with power. (laughs) Oh, we are ridiculous people. Once again, we've shifted to making prayer be about us rather than God. Amazingly still, God roots his power within us. God works in us in spite of us. He works in the weak. He shows himself strong in our weakness. That he works in us is a further display of his greatness and not ours. So once again, do we have any weak people when it comes to prayer in the building this morning? Like weak. I'm weak when I come to the prayer meeting. I'm weak when it comes to prayer. And we need the weak. We're calling on the weak. As a matter of fact, we're calling on all the prayer failures at Trinity. Not to bolster yourself up to become some great prayer person, but to bolster yourself up in your vision of the glory of God. All the prayer failures all the weak prayer people of Trinity, let's go to God in 2021, to our God who is able, and let's see how God might move.
I'll take the week. Let's take the week. I'll take the week over the prayer warrior who comes forward and says, I got this. I got this. I'm praying for this. I'm your guy. I'm your gal. I'm strong. I'll take the weak guy, the weak gal. Remember what Paul was praying for? It's back in verse 16. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. What does that mean? It means they're weak. <laughs> Why do you pray for someone to be strengthened? Because they're weak. God, strengthen us. According to your riches of glory, strengthen us. Because we are weak. He says, to him be glory. Verse 20 is telling us that God is able. Now to him who is able. Verse 21 is telling us, to him be glory. To him be glorified. To him be worthy. To him be worthy of worship. He is, he is glorified because he is able. Because God is all powerful, let the church worship him and glory in him. If God is able, then God is worthy, right? If God is able, then God's worthy. If you were able, you'd be worthy. God is able, God is worthy. God is not only able, but he's able to do far more than what we can even think. God is worthy. This year, our community group spent time in the attributes of God. And you know, in going through those attributes, for those of you who did that, R.C. Sproul, 20 minutes a week, R.C. Sproul, mind-blowing. God help me, I'm just trying to keep up, right? But each week, just as we walk through a different attribute and just glorying in God, the question in my mind was, all right, what do I do with this? Because it's not just for information. It's not just for knowledge. It's not just for us to go, wow, I learned a new word this week. And the answer was worship, prayer. What do you do? The, 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 the fact that your God is an infinite God. What do you do with the fact that your God is everywhere present, all of his being, everywhere, all the time? You worship, you pray. <laughs> That's the God you serve. And on and on, we could go through different attributes of God. If God is this, then praise him and pray to him. We worship because he's able. Because he's able, he is worthy. And we pray. It's why we so often want to begin prayer, not with a prayer list, but with a character list. Attributes of God. Who is God? Because we need to be reminded before we jump into our requests. Well, then he says in the church, to him be glory in the church. This is where Paul locates the glory in the church. Wow. Again, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, nothing gives such glory to God as the Christian church. Do you believe that? God manifested his power when he created the world out of nothing. When he said, let there be light, and there was light. The mountains, the rivers, and the raging sea, lightning and thunder all proclaim his glory. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show, showeth his handiwork. But there is nothing that proclaims the glory of God as the Christian church, the body of which Christ himself is the head Nothing is so wonderful as the fact that men and women such as you and I are men and women who are steeped and lost and dead in sin. Should you have become members of the body of Christ, here we have the mightiest display of the glory of God. The church is the place, it is that one place that so many believers, hear me, despise, ignore, Skip, 
It's me and Jesus. Did you know that when you walked in the building this morning, the glory of God was on display with the gathered people? It's on display even now. As sinners who have come to repentant faith gather to worship him, the glory is displayed. And in Christ Jesus, Sid, if you would come. Christ is the groom. The church is the bride. Did you happen to notice the Trinity is on display? Verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father. Verse 16, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Meaning, the glory has no end in sight. The glory of God has no end. It's forever and ever. And we might say, but what about 2020? Seemed like the glory ended in 2020. Now the glory did not end in 2020. The glory has no end. COVID is no match for the glory of God. Racial unrest is no match, none whatsoever for the glory of God. This election, cancer, marriage, Whatever new thing will come our way in 2021 is no match for the glory of God. It is forever and ever. And then he puts a stamp on it. Amen. Meaning, so let it be. This is not forever and ever, I hope so. Forever and ever, wishful thinking. Forever and ever, I wish. Forever and ever, as long as the stars align. Now, it's forever and ever, amen. Let it be. It is an amen with a conviction. Paul knows who he's praying to. And so, amen. Question for us this morning is, do we know who we're praying to? If so, stand with me and let's say amen. Amen and amen. Let's sing together. <laughs>